All right, are you ready to hear the Word of God this morning? Praise God. Well, open your Bible, if you would, in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. Isaiah chapter 40, and verse 31. You know, everybody in the world has their own perspective about things, right? Opinions are like noses, everybody's got at least one, right? And so everybody in the world, they have their own perspective, but it's not always the right perspective. And God's view on everything is always 100% accurate. And so in regards to perspective, we need to see things the way that God sees them. And if we do then we'll be able to deal with things the way they should be dealt with. And so what I want to talk to you this morning is about divine perspective. All right? And so in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, it says this, But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I want you to notice the phrase, wait on the Lord. The Bible says to wait on the Lord. You know, some people cringe just hearing that word. Not many people like to wait. But a lot of times we don't really understand the full spectrum of what is really being said in certain scriptures. The first thing I want you to know is that there are two ways for a person to wait on something or to wait for something. There's a passive waiting and there's an active waiting. They're two things completely different. An example of passing wa- passive waiting would be someone, for example, that's standing in line at the grocery store. Has anybody ha- had that privilege <laughs> to stand in line and wait at the grocery store, especially when not many people's working that day. You know, that person doesn't do anything. They're just standing there waiting for their turn to be able to go and, and pay for their groceries. But an example of active waiting would be a pregnant woman. You know, although a pregnant woman is waiting for the baby to arrive, She doesn't just stand there and do nothing, right? She's actually very active. And a pregnant woman is so convinced that she's going to have a baby that she begins to prepare for it. She's doing all kinds of things in preparation. You know, she prepares the baby's room. She buys diapers and clothes and she reads books and internet blogs to learn more about, you know, how to raise your baby. And so, not only is the pregnant woman active while she waits, but she also has a good attitude in the midst of those activities, For example, most people that stand in line at the grocery store, they don't have a very good attitude, right? A lot of them hate to stand in line at the grocery store. But a pregnant woman, she's different. She's excited. 
As she's waiting, she has high expectations. She gets a little giggly, doesn't she? When you start talking about that, she says, <laughs> she's so enthusiastic about it. Although she's waiting weeks and months, and we're not talking about a day or two. It's a long period of time, but she's excited about what's to come. She literally enjoys that waiting period. She doesn't loathe it. Now, granted, that last week or two, when she's not really able to sleep, she might be like, Lord, bring it on, you know. Make it as quick as possible. But there is a major difference. Just like a pregnant woman waiting for a baby to be born, we also need to wait on the Lord with expectation, with excitement for the things that are yet to come. You know, you may have heard people say, you know, so how are you doing? Well, I'm just waiting on the Lord. They say it like this, I'm waiting on the Lord. Well, you know, I'm waiting on the Lord. Well, you know that that's not exactly the Bible waiting on the Lord. There's excitement, there's expectation when you're truly, biblically waiting on the Lord. Amen? Now, notice what Isaiah said would happen to the person that waits on the Lord actively. He said, he would mount up with wings as an eagle. Now this is interesting because one of the characteristics of an eagle is that it has a totally different perspective from every other animal. Most animals, they look at things from the ground up, right? But the eagle sees things from a completely different angle. The eagle may see the same things that the other animals do. But the difference is that he's looking down on them from high places. And so his perspective is completely different than the other animals. Isaiah said that when you wait on the Lord, that you, just like the eagle will begin to fly, spiritually speaking. And as you go up in God, you also have a different perspective about things. It'll be a heavenly perspective, and you'll begin to see things from God's eye view. Are you with me this morning? And so that's basically what Paul was talking about, for example, in Colossians 3, verse 2, when he said to set your affection or your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. What is he saying? He's saying you need to have a divine perspective. You need to see this problem. You need to see the situation. You need to see this person from up high looking down, having a different angle, a God angle. Amen. I want to share another scripture with you in um, Numbers chapter 13. And in verse 31. Numbers 13, 31 says, But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people whom we saw in it 
are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. And so after spying out the promised land, ten of the twelve spies, they came back and they said that it was not possible to take it over. It wasn't possible to enter the land. But yet at the same time, two of the spies, Joshua and Caleb, they said it was possible. Now, what's interesting to me is that all 12 of them saw the exact same thing, right? We're not talking about one group of giants over here and another group of regular people over there. No, they all saw the same giants, but their responses were completely different. And so what exactly was it that caused that difference of opinion, that difference of response between one and the other, it was divine perspective. See, when the ten saw the giants, they compared the giants to themselves. And they said, those giants compared to us, we look like grasshoppers. But Joshua and Caleb, they did something different. They compared the giants to God. And they said, listen, compared to God, these giants look like grasshoppers. And so all of them saw the same giants, but their perspective on what they saw is different. Joshua and Caleb knew that they wouldn't have to face those giants alone, but that God was going to fight for them. And, uh, you know... You may feel that way sometimes, that you are on your own, that you are fighting on your own. But that's not the case. You know, we may never have to face any giants specifically or literally like Joshua and Caleb had to face. But I guarantee you all of us, at some point in time in our life, we will have to face some gigantic situations, right? And we need to know how to do that, how to respond to that. And uh, it's at times like that, that that we need to understand that we're not fighting alone. Uh, when the Moabites and the Ammonites came to fight against Israel, God said to Jehoshaphat, He said, Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude For the battle is not yours, but it's mine. How many of you are thankful that your battles, past, present, and future, they're not yours, but they're God's? Amen. Everybody say, the battle is not mine, but it's the Lord's. I remember when I was a kid growing up, I don't remember exactly how old I was, but I had a neighbor, his name was Joe. And Joe, I, he was probably like seven years older than me. Now, when you're older, like we are now, you know, seven years is not really a big difference. But when you're a kid, that is a huge difference. I mean, you're talking lots of feet difference, right? Right? 
And I don't know what happened. I don't remember everything. But I do remember that he was mad at me. And he said he was going to beat me up. And I was terrified because he was huge compared to me. He was older than me. He was bigger than me. He was stronger than me. I I started crying. I didn't know what to do. And so finally, right before I get into desperation, I remembered my brother. I have a brother. He is almost five years older than me. And I went into the house and I talked to my brother. I said, brother, I said, Joe said he's going to beat me up. I, I don't know what to do. Now, my brother, he was practicing martial arts at the time. He was five years older than me. He said, you go tell Joe, if he touches you, I'm going to whoop him. In fact, when he said that, a refreshing came upon me. I could breathe better. You know, and, and, and not only that, but I got a little cocky. I was like, oh yeah, where are you at now, Joe? Bring it on. And, and it changed my whole perspective about that situation. Why? Because I knew now that somebody that's bigger than me and somebody that's stronger than me is going to be fighting for me. And you need to understand that all of us have a big brother that's behind us, that's stronger, that's bigger than any enemy that can come against us and try to spoil the plans of God for our lives. Amen? Are you thankful for that this morning? Praise the Lord. Now, Psalms 34 verse 3 says this, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. You know, in general... I believe that I can say this, and and I include myself in this, that in general, most of us have a very small vision of God, of who He is, of what He's capable to do. I think that one of our missions in life is daily increasing our own understanding and, and, and capability and perspective of how God, how big God actually is. Because if we don't, we end up limiting Him. We limit Him in what He's capable of doing for us. I believe, you know, God, He's perfect. He, does, he never sins. He never makes a mistake. But I, sometimes I think God must get really frustrated in heaven. Because He wants to do so much to us through us and for us and sometimes we just don't let him because we're thinking too small our mentality is 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 too poor it's too insignificant and all of a sudden God's oh man I wanted to do this I, I, I wanted to do that but you won't let me and so he's got to expand us we got to see him on a on a bigger level than he actually is now Notice what the psalmist says. He says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. The word magnify means to make bigger. Now, some of you may not know this, but Dale, he's over 50 years old now. And, uh, you know, he, 
he's had some issues reading up close, you know, the, the letters. Isabella, don't defend your dad. <laughs> so the letters, you know, all of a sudden, they used to be so big. Now they look so small and they're so difficult to read. And so he needs something, glasses, something to magnify, right, those letters. That's what a magnifying glass does. You know, if you take a magnifying glass and you put it over, you know, a text, that text doesn't get any bigger. That text is the exact same text as it was before you put the magnifying glass. It just seems to be bigger because it's being amplified. It's being magnified. Amen? And so technically, you can't make God any bigger than He already is. How many of you know that? But you can make Him bigger to you individually. And that's what the psalmist is talking about here. Make God bigger to you. See Him in a bigger way, in a bigger dimension. You've got to, to get a new perspective on how big God is in your life. When you start thinking about, oh Lord, how am I going to pay this water bill? Oh, it's so much. Well, then you automatically can understand that you need to see God a little bit better. God can pay your water bill. If God can divide the waters, right, so that all of Israel can pass through on dry ground, I think He's probably capable enough to pay your water bill. Of $52.13. How many of you think God's capable of that? You understand what I'm saying? And so we have to magnify the Lord. Now in the same passage, the psalmist shows us how to make God bigger to us personally. In verse 1, he says to bless and praise the Lord. In verse 2, he says to make your boast in the Lord. In verse 3, he says to exalt the Lord. And so blessing, praising, boasting in and exalting the Lord are all things that will help you have the right perspective of God in your own personal life and situations that you're going through. And that's important because the way that you see God will, the, will be the way that you, it'll affect the way you see your problems. It'll, it'll affect the way that you see other things in your life. Amen? Amen? The bigger God is to you, the smaller every opposition, every difficulty, every tribulation will become. Why? Because now you're looking up. You're kind of like that little kid on daddy's shoulders, right? Do you ever do that with your kids? You know, they say, Daddy, put me on your shoulder. And so I would do that with my kids. I can't do it now, Emily. Woo! Can't do that now. But I used to put Emily up on my shoulders. And there she was. She was higher than me. She could see things at a different perspective. Well, when you begin to praise God, exalt Him, focus on Him, what you're doing is you're climbing up on Daddy's back and you're getting up on His shoulders. And now you're seeing things from a different perspective. Everything becomes smaller to you. Amen. Look with me. In uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, in verse 22, 
2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 22. Paul, the apostle, is talking here and he says, he's talking to the Corinthians because there were false prophets, uh, uh, false apostles. What happened was, you know, Paul, he gave his life for the Corinthian church. I mean, he dedicated himself, he invested in them. He was their father in the faith. He won them to the Lord, and then he was growing them up spiritually. But yet the Corinthians church, they, didn't, they, they did what, unfortunately, so many other churches do all around the world in different places. They didn't honor their spiritual father. They didn't recognize his office, how important he was to them. So Paul, here he is having to make tents and having to work just to support himself so he could continue preaching to them to help them to grow and develop. But yet at the same time, these false apostles came on the scene and now the Corinthians are giving them honor that they didn't even give to their very father in the faith that was the one that got them born again, that had invested in their lives. Amen. And so Paul, what he does here is he begins to, to do a little comparison so they can understand. Now, wait a minute. You know, I'm not bragging. I'm not putting me on a pedestal. But I want you to understand that I, I'm not just some nobody here. I, I have, you know, something in comparison to these other people that you're giving so much honor and glory to. And so in verse 22, he says, Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews five times I received forty stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, beside the other things what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Woo! Man, I get tired just reading that list. How many of you know that is a major list? You know, a lot of people when they want to maybe have an opportunity to preach or to, to go somewhere, they'll give their resume and they'll talk about all they do. This was Paul's resume. He said, hey man, I've been shipwrecked. I've been stoned. I've been through all this stuff. Now I want to ask you a question. How many of you, after hearing all that Paul went through, in your opinion, how many of you think that what he went through was difficult. It was hard, right? It was bombastic. All of these things that Paul went through. Lift your hand if you believe that. All right, now, I want to take you to another scripture. We're still in 2 Corinthians, but I want to go to chapter 4, all right? 
2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16. And you need to read these two passages together to really understand something significant, which is what we're talking about today. In 2 Corinthians 4, 16, he said, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is renewing day by day. And Dale said, Amen, right? Verse 17, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Now, I read chapter 11 before I read chapter 4 on purpose. Because I want you to notice that when Paul starts talking about the afflictions that he faced, he was referring to all of those things that he talked about in chapter 11. But then when he begins to describe them here in chapter 4, he said that they were light and they went by real fast. Are you with me? Now I just asked you, how many of you think that was just, just hard and, and difficult and, and, and I'm not saying it was, but Paul evidently he had a different perspective. Because he was the one that went through all of that and he said, you know, for this light <laughs> affliction that goes by real fast. Now, he was just as human as we are. Paul was not a robot. They didn't have robots back then, okay? He couldn't be. But he had a different perspective than we have. You know, the, the easy English version describes this as affliction, this affliction as little troubles. He says, for these little troubles, I've been stoned. I've been whipped. I've faced, you know, dangers with robbers. I've been shipwrecked. But for these little troubles that are momentary. Let me tell you something. Whatever you are going through today, it is temporary. It will pass. But what makes the difference is how you respond to that situation before it passes. Or while it's passing. That's going to determine the fruit that you're going to have. But you know many of us haven't faced 10% of what Paul talked about in that list. And yet people whine like babies. Right? This is so hard. And, and, this, and, and you know whatever you talk about it grows. To you. You know, you talk about, you know, the Bible never said, Jesus, when he was talking about faith, he did not say, speak about your mountain. He said, speak to your mountain. Two completely different things. And a lot of people have gotten confused. They're like, no, I'm standing on Mark 11, 23. My mountain is big. My mountain is wide. My mountain, oh, and I want to compare. And they begin to compare mountains with others. Oh, that person, they think their mountain's big. They haven't seen anything. You haven't seen my mountain. My mountain is humongous. Jesus did not teach us to speak about the mountain. He taught us to speak to the mountain. 
Amen. And so Paul, he described the things that he went through as light, as temporary, because he had divine perspective. He was seeing all of those things from up, looking down. God's eye view. Now, he, he, uh, in the next verse, in verse 18, he reveals the secret of how to have this divine perspective. Because maybe you're listening to me, you're thinking, oh, well, yeah, that was the Apostle Paul. Of course. But I'm just me, you know. I'm John from down, down the road, you know. That's complete. No. You have the same capabilities that the Apostle Paul has. And I'll go as far as to say you have the same capabilities that Jesus had when he walked upon the earth. Because he's giving you the same anointing, the same Holy Ghost, the same Word of God. The same faith of God is in us the day that we're born again. Amen. And so he reveals the secret to us here in verse 18. He says, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And so the things that are not seen are the things that are in the spiritual realm. And things that cannot be seen with the physical eye. These are the things that we're supposed to pay attention to. Having a divine perspective means seeing the spiritual side of things rather than just the natural. You know, every believer has spiritual eyes just as he has physical and natural eyes. And we're the ones that choose which eyes we're going to look through. Um, The word says in Matthew 13, 13, Jesus was speaking. He said, therefore speak I to them in parables. Now listen to this. He said, because they seeing, see not. Now notice that. Jesus said that these folk seeing, see not. He said that there are people that see and that don't see at the same time. And actually, he was talking about two types of vision. And so, in other words, there are people that see things physically, but they have no spiritual vision whatsoever regarding the things that they're seeing or experiencing or going through. The Bible talks about the prophet Elijah. He was being attacked by the Syrian army. And he was alone, just him and his servant. In this certain location. And so the Syrians, they found out where they were and they surrounded them. The army was, you know, with their, their weapons and, and ready to attack and ready to kill. They have already, already been given orders from the king to kill the prophet. And so the servant, he sees this army outside. And he naturally begins to worry and in in panic and doesn't really know what to do. And so he comes to the prophet. He said, we're surrounded. And Elijah, it it doesn't say this specifically, but you can tell that his tone of voice is so calm. Don't you love it when when somebody goes to tell somebody this, this 
horrendous problem, this, this complicated situation, and somebody just responds. They're just so calm. They don't change their demeanor. They're just as cool as cucumbers, right? And so Elijah, that's the way he was, and he said, well, listen. He said, there's more with us than are with them. Now, like I said, the Bible doesn't get into all these details, but, but we can just imagine. I'm thinking about that servant. After the, the, the prophet said, there are more with us than are with him, you know he started counting. You know he did. So he's looking, you know, he may have not appointed the thing, but he's thinking, one, two. And then he looks out the window again. He's not understanding anything. And the prophet knew that he wasn't understanding. Because spiritual things cannot be understood with the natural mind. They must be discerned spiritually. And so he prayed. And so, Lord, I pray that you open his eyes. Now, that's interesting because his eyes were open. If his eyes were not open, how could he have seen the enemy? So Elijah was not talking about physical eyes. He was talking about spiritual eyes. Lord, I pray that you open his eyes. And God did. And he saw all the way up the mountain uh, chariots of fire. Now, you can imagine that from that moment, because he had a spiritual vision, his perspective about that situation changed immediately. I feel like that those tears changed in to smiles and and laughter at the same time. Why? Because he's like, whoa! You mean that was here all the time? I want to tell you something, folks. There are angels. There are blessings. There is power from God. There are things in movement in our favor that we may not be able to see with our natural eyes, but it is there and it is working on our behalf. The problem is that God, it's not that God's not working. It's not that he's not present. It's not that he's not doing anything. The problem is the perspective. People have their eyes on the wrong thing. But when you get God's divine perspective, all of a sudden you should be crying. But you're dancing. And you're excited. And you're joyful. Because look what the Lord has done. And look what he's doing. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. That's why Christians, they, they are to have the joy of the Lord. And that doesn't mean that you can never have a sad emotion. But when it comes, it quickly needs to leave the same way that it came. Because our eyes are on the Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. And so... James, he said this, and I'll I'll be closing with this. He said, when you have a... He said, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Now, how many of you know that is not your normal first natural reaction when temptation comes? Oh, hallelujah. Right? Counting on joy. And don't get me wrong, God's not saying for us to be like, like insane, you know. You're not thanking God for the temptations, but you are joyful and you do continue to give thanks because you know that in the midst of the temptation, God is going to get you out and He's going to make you 
look better, smell better, feel better when you get on the other side of that tribulation. Amen? You know, the devil, when we walk in faith, according to God's word, and he throws things against us, he's setting himself up for failure. Because every time a trial, a problem comes, and we have victory, we just transform that into a testimony. Right? And that testimony is going to be spread, and it's going to be spoken, and it's going to be given to other people. And all of a sudden, now... What the devil meant for evil, God has transformed in glory, in blessing. Now people are hearing that and they're saying, well, wait a minute. I'm going through something similar. If God did that in his life, he'll do it in mine. And now all of a sudden, miracles are being multiplied. Amen. 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 Because people know how to respond when the evil comes, when the problem comes... They have God's divine perspective. Amen? And I'll just, uh, I said I'll close. I'll just close with this because Pastor had mentioned about a, a, a building that, that has become available. And I remembered when, uh, when the Lord spoke to me about our place, we, we were in a small building and uh, we had filled that building up. We had to do multiple services in the building. And the Lord spoke to me, and it seemed so small and insignificant. He said, I want you to separate a thousand Hayes from the church fund every month. And uh, because, you know, one day you may want to buy a piece of land and build a church or something of this nature. And so I just obeyed. I mean, a thousand. Uh, hay ice per month. Just to give you an example, it's like $200 now per month. Uh, I said, okay. And so we were faithful. Today, we have a building that we have paid over 6 million hay ice. Uh, like a, a million and a half in dollars. It's completely paid for. We don't know anybody, anything. And I believe that God allowed me to hear about this situation and that pastor went to see that building today so that I could also share our testimony and say what God has done for us. He, not that He will do for you. He is doing for you. Amen. And so I want to pray right now. I want to pray for this. And then I also want to give you an opportunity to... Make a covenant with Christ if you haven't done so this morning. So let's just pray. Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity to be here. And Lord, if there is anyone in this place that does not know you personally as their Lord and Savior, Father, I pray that they not go past this service without committing their lives to you. And if there is anyone in this place this morning and God has touched your heart, He's he's ministered to you and you know, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to enter a covenant relationship with Him. I acknowledge and recognize that there is no salvation outside of Christ Jesus. And I want to become a child of God. If that's your desire this morning, I want to ask you, to just lift your hand, if you would. And when you lift your hand, that's what you're saying. And you're not saying it 
just to me, but you're saying it to God Himself. Lord, I want to be your child. I give my life to you. Is there anyone in this place? I know that there are, are those of you that are watching online. And so I want to say this prayer. And if you have not made Christ your Savior, you do this prayer. Say this, Lord, I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sin and rose from the dead to give me eternal life. By faith, I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and as my Savior. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.